can be a testing time. You know, because sometimes maybe God don't move as quick as we would like for him to, you know. But I'm going to say this. Are we going to praise him? Are we going to open this service and praise him and give him glory? Because I'm going to tell you, when the praises go up, the glory comes down. And that's what God is doing. He's looking for us to surrender and praise him and give him glory tonight. And that's what I want to do. So let's open this service and praise God because he's worthy of our praise. Let's praise him tonight and give him glory. Precious Father, we come before you this evening, God, and we just want to thank you for this opportunity to come to church again, God, to worship you. And I want to ask you tonight, God, that you'll bless Brother Adam, God, as he brings the message forth, God. I ask that you will anoint him in a mighty way, Lord God, and anoint us, God, to hear the word that he brings forth that you've given him, God. We thank you, God, and we praise you, God, and we ask you to move through that camera tonight, God. Move through these singers, God, through that sound. Everything that's done, God, it be done to your glory in Jesus name amen Hallelujah. 
You can take me out to the graveyard. You can lay this body down. But on that first resurrection morning, I'm gonna come up out of the ground. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna get up, get up, get up out of the ground. Cause there ain't no They're coming after me. They'll go down yonder cable. Push your foot on the land and see. Oh, but don't you blow that trumpet cable until you hear from me. There ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down.
few of you in here that are holding back. You're letting things get in the way. That's why you've not gotten the blessing God wants to give you. You're focused on everything else going on wrong. You might have demonic attacks coming to your mind, but let me tell you something. All you have to do is say, Jesus, touch my mind, touch my heart. He wants to do something tonight. I'm telling you, he wants to, but he will not move if you do not get out of the way. He will not move unless you move out the way and let him touch your mind. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. He wants the old bones to rise up. He don't want to wait till you get to heaven. Let the graves be dug up and the old bones rise and be healed. Amen. Because there ain't no
search for gold but I just want the Holy Ghost and fire down in my soul I'm so tired of you devil you had me bound way too long I'm gonna raise my hands to heaven well I'm gonna sing a victory song well if you're and you're tired of being bound Just raise your hand to Jesus He'll send His blessings down I'm so tired of you, devil You've had me bound way too long I'm gonna raise my hands to heaven Well, I'm gonna sing a victory song I wrote it just for you, devil. I wrote this little message on the bottom of my shoe. It says I'm tired of you, devil. Praise the Lord. They were singing that song, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold My Body Down. My mind went back to about 20 years ago, 20, maybe 22 years ago. Michaela was about the mm, size of J. Lynn, probably a little bit bigger. We was going to this little Church of God church up in uh, Loudon. We were kind of in between churches and searching, you know. And well, Anyway, we felt like the Lord led us to this little church, and it was about the size of our church right here, about this many people. And I'll never forget every time that pastor, he get up, man, they, he, he sang, the son played the piano, the daughter played the drums, and he said, ain't no grave. And boy, I tell you what, you can feel the Spirit of God will hit that building. You'd see a little bit of that church of God jerk from some of them people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm, boy, Michaela, she'd jump up, she'd climb up in Melissa's arms, boy, she'd hold on tight because she knew what was about to happen. It would come unglued up in that building. The Spirit of God would fall in that place because people believed what they were hearing. They were listening for that trumpet to sound. They were waiting on the rapture of the church. And they knew there ain't no grave, there ain't no devil, there ain't nobody going to hold this body down. And I tell you, every time they sing it, you could, the Spirit of God would fill that building up. Amen. We needed to fill our heart up. Amen. We're not, we're, this body might go back to the ground before the rapture, but when the trumpet sounds, when the resurrection happens, the Bible says it's coming up, and a new body is coming. The old corruptible body is gone. 
No more aches, no more pains, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more famine. If Brother Swaggart is right, and I kind of think he might be, he said that Jesus said we shall be as he is. We're all going to be about 33 and a half years old. <laughs> Amen. I don't know how it's going to be, but I know one thing. You're going to feel good. Amen. Because we're getting spiritual bodies. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to take up the offering tonight. And I want you to give. We're going to bless Adam tonight with an offering, too. We're going to give to him for preaching tonight. Amen. We took up one the other night for Chris. We're going to take up one tonight for Adam. So, and I know that, uh, that they, he is thankful for anything that they get. Uh, we don't give too much to people around here very often. We don't, you know, have a whole lot of money, but we try to bless people when the Lord lays it on our heart, too. And we want to take this opportunity during this revival to give to help bless them. Amen. And what you give will go to them to bless him and his family. So give tonight with an open heart. You're watching through the internet. We pray that you'll be blessed, that you'll watch. And I feel a little bit of anticipation tonight. I can feel a little bit more excitement. It's Saturday night. It's getting closer to Sunday. Amen. So it's good to see everybody. Hope to see everybody tomorrow morning and tomorrow night as we continue to go right on through our services. And we want to believe for the Lord to bring new faces in. Amen. Draw people that need the truth and speak to people that are tired of religion. They're just tired of the same old, same old. Amen. If that's you, there's a church right here waiting on you to come where you can hear the truth and you can be blessed. And you don't have to be ashamed of Jesus in here. You don't have to sit down and shut up. You don't have to be quiet. You can express what you feel here. Amen, because we believe that every time the Lord touches somebody, somebody's going to respond, something's going to happen. Amen, I've been feeling it all of my life, and I sure ain't about to lose it now. Amen, when I feel it, I want to let it roll. Amen, however it goes, however it comes, just let it roll. Amen, just let God have his way. She said, let God have his way. Just turn loose, let go, forget about your problems. You can't fix them anyway. You can't. Ain't you figured that out? You can't fix your problems. But Jesus can fix it. Amen. So let's take up the offering and let's pray. Lord, we ask you to bless this service tonight. We ask you to move all through this building tonight. Lord, we thank you for the services that we've had. We thank you that you're doing more than we can see. We know that you are. You're moving through the camera. You're moving through that internet. Lord, you're touching people in other countries. As they watch, as they hear the word, God, as they feel the spirit of God here, Lord, I pray that you do it more and more, that you open the doors, Lord, for people to be able to get here. You make a way for people, Lord, to rearrange their life, Lord, to get where the truth is so that they can grow, they can be fed, and they can be touched in a mighty way. We ask you have your way tonight, Lord. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen.
for the day when you rise. Amen. Adam, brother, are you ready to preach tonight? Amen. I know you're going to be blessed tonight. Open your hearts and get ready to hear the Word of God. We've been having some good services, and we believe in God to let us keep on having some good ones all the way to the end. Amen. Go ahead, brother. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we love you all. I'm very thankful to be here. Um, um, Thursday night we couldn't be here. Friday night I was trying to get here. We couldn't get out of Ray County in time. And tonight I didn't know if I was going to make it. <laughs> um, my mom is in the hospital. and um, So we've got about 40 head of cattle. And about six of them are out. And about three of them are in the road. About two of them are in the woods. <laughs> and we got a lot of woods. Uh, <laughs> but I've made it. Amen. I didn't get the shower or eat supper, but I made it. <laughs> so I got grabbed a chocolate milk on the way speedway. So just don't get a sausage egg and cheese biscuit at speedway. <laughs> that was two weeks ago, and I'm just now getting over it. So anyway, after all that, but praise the Lord. That's right. That's right. All right, I'm going to try to keep it short. I feel like the Holy uh, Spirit wants me to keep it short. I'm going to try to follow the Holy Spirit. So y'all hold me to that, because it's very easy when you get up here. It is for me anyway, to make it about myself. 
And so the Holy Spirit told me it's not about me. It's about others. Amen. It's about y'all and whoever is listening. And I know some are. Some of my family or friends that I didn't even know it. But they uh, sent us some stuff. And so if you're watching, uh, bless you. Bless you. All right. I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 37. I'm on this kick in the Old Testament with the kings of Judah and um, and Israel, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, you know, it split in two. And that was a terrible thing, but it split in two about 1,000 B.C. And so now we're at somewhere around 700 B.C. And I titled this, The Wrath of God. And that's not a pleasant subject. But you know, the wrath of God is going to fall. Amen. And it can either fall on us, or it can fall on His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I just feel led to say, you know, in the Bible, there's a whole burnt offering. There's many types of offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings, meal offerings, drink offerings, meat offerings. There's a burnt offering, and that's typified of Jesus Christ giving his perfection to us down on the cross. And there's the sin offering, and that's typified in us giving our sin to Jesus. Amen. So he gives his perfection. We don't think of ourselves as perfect. No, I don't. But he gives his perfection to us, and we give our sins to him. Amen. That's a beautiful, that's a great trade. Amen. Amen. But the great prophet Isaiah, you know, Jesus quoted Isaiah more than any other prophet. Amen. Isaiah chapter 37, and it's verses 32 through 38. I'm going to read 32 through 38. All right. When you're there, say amen. Amen. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they who escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Verse 36, the fulfillment of God's promise. Amen. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. That's 185,000. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Amen. When Judah arose, all the Assyrians were dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. In 38. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch his god, that Adramelech, and Sherezer, his son, smote him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Armenia. 
and Esarhaddon his son reigned in his stead. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just I thank you so much, God, for this church, God, this revival services, God, our pastors, the people here, Lord God. Thank you for the freedom, God, and the, and the leadership here, God. We thank you for the freedom and the ability to come and worship you, God. I pray that I speak what you put on my heart, God. Please anoint me to say what you want me to say, Lord God. And I just thank you for this opportunity to get up and speak to your people, Lord God. Please anoint my words and bless them that hear, Lord God. And I pray that someone, somewhere, God, will get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, let me just talk a little bit about Hezekiah. Great King Hezekiah, like I said, it was about a thousand BC, and Israel split in two. It's because of Solomon's sin. So Solomon's son Rehoboam took the southern kingdom, which was Jerusalem. You have Judah, which Jerusalem is in Judah. Jesus, um, born in Bethlehem, the line of the tribe of Judah. So you have Judah and Benjamin, and then you had the other ten tribes, the northern kingdom called Israel or Samaria or Ephraim, sometimes it's called. Well, out of all those years, from about 1,000 B.C., they were destroyed by Assyria, who I'm just reading about. I think around 725 B.C. Sometimes dates are hard to, to get exactly right. but And they didn't have a single godly king. And when you read in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, it's talking about all the kings of Israel. And then, as I said, it split in Judah. So not a single godly king in, in Israel, the northern kingdom. Which, of course, Jesus ended up in Galilee, which was part of the northern kingdom as, as he had his ministry. And so you always read, this king, whoever it may be, Ahab, did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Ahaz did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Ahaz was Hezekiah's father, not Ahab and Jezebel. It was in the northern kingdom. But Ahaz, and he did that which was evil. But his son Hezekiah, praise the Lord, did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he had a man, as I just said, by the name of Isaiah, a great prophet of the Lord. Like I said, Jesus quoted him more than any other prophet. So he had Isaiah to counsel him, to be there with him, to give him prophecy and give him instructions in the Lord. He started to reign, I think, when he was about 25 years old. In the first month of his reign, he set out to repair the house of the Lord. It had been left desolate. Amen. They'd stopped the sacrifices. They stopped all the things in the temple in Jerusalem, the great temple. They'd stopped all of that, unfortunately, under his wicked father, Ahaz. In the very first month, he went out and cleaned out the house of the Lord, got it ready. Got it prepared, the brazen altar and the holy of holies, and the Levites and the priests went in, and that was their duties. And then in um, chapter 30, he set out to have a great Passover. They were supposed to have a Passover every year in the first month. And you all know what the Passover is about, but it goes back to Exodus. A great Passover. When the death angel came, and they were delivered out of Egyptian bondage. They were to kill a lamb, kill it quickly, eat it. Use some hyssop, spread the blood of the lamb, amen, typified of Jesus Christ, amen, 
over their doorpost in the shape of a cross. Amen. And when the death angel came and killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians, he would pass over the Israelites. Amen. So they got out of there. Because when that happened, Pharaoh said, get out. <laughs> and had all those plagues, all the darkness and the flies and the frogs and all that crazy stuff. The Nile River turned to blood and all that. But he said, Moses said, you will see me no more. Pharaoh have given you enough <laughs> warnings. Amen. You will see me no more. And when his firstborn son died and all the firstborn son died throughout all Egypt and all the cattle, all the animals. Of course, if the Egyptians, some at that time probably went over to the Hebrews. Amen. They probably converted to uh, Judaism by that time after all the plagues. But the ones who didn't, they were killed. Their firstborn sons were killed. That's the Passover. So it had been neglected again. So Hezekiah set out to have a great Passover. He did all the things he was supposed to do. And he even went to the northern kingdom of Israel. Now listen to this. The northern kingdom had at this time just been destroyed by Assyria. The scripture I just read is about Assyria. Not about the northern kingdom, but about Assyria that I'll tell you about in just a second. He sent out messengers to go invite them to this great feast. The ones that were still left, that weren't killed or taken captive. The Bible says the poor of the land, the Assyrians left. Came out to invite them to this great Passover feast. And you know what the Bible says, unfortunately? It says most of them, they were mocked and made fun of. So Hezekiah put out this great gospel message, come celebrate the Passover, which today would mean come celebrate Jesus Christ. Amen. We're here on a Saturday night celebrating Jesus Christ. Amen. And the house is not full, but we have put out the word. Amen. We've put out the publications. We've told people about it. We've advertised about it. This is what we do here at this church is to tell people the gospel, tell people about Jesus. But unfortunately, just like back then in the Old Testament times, most will not believe. Most will laugh at us. You mean you're at church on a Saturday night? <laughs> what in the world do you do? <laughs> Don't you know Tennessee just blew it in the second half against Alabama? <laughs> Don't you know that? <laughs> Could be doing all these other things. <laughs> What are you doing on Sunday? You mean your kids won't play sports on Sundays? You know, all these things you be fishing and hunting and whatever. You know, that's typical of the world, amen? And this was the church of that day. I mean, these were Israelites. And they laughed and mocked at the priests and the Levites who were saying, Come, celebrate Jesus. Come, celebrate Jesus. And that's what we're saying, amen? Come, celebrate Jesus. And the rest is on them. Amen. The rest is on y'all. Amen. <laughs> when I go to heaven, I'm going to hopefully have said I did everything I could to come say, come celebrate Jesus. Come to the Passover. Come to the feast. Come to the church. Come to the Bible. Come to the Word of God. Come to the right way. Amen. But you know what else the Bible says? It says that there were divers, which means a few that did come. From Asher and Dan and Manasseh, a few did come. Amen. And that's what we're looking for. Amen. We're looking for those few. Amen. 
that will come. <laughs> Y'all have come. We've come. Amen. It's been hard. <laughs> or we've all left something behind to, to be here, uh, not just tonight, but in general, to be in this church. Um, and God will bless us. Amen. But there's always a remnant. Amen. There's always a remnant. And you know, I was um, read this book by Brother Swagger, and I, I just want to say this, and that this is in the book, but I want to expound upon it. There's four types of churches. This is in Brother Swagger's book, and he's right. I'm going to talk about it. The first, modernist churches, which do not believe the Bible, that Jesus is the Son of God, or that Calvary affected anything. Now, luckily, I hadn't really been in those churches. I've been in the other three I'm going to talk about, but there are that they're out there, amen? Big cities, little towns, it's just a social club, right? Whether it's Catholic or Methodist, Baptist, or Presbyterian, or Church of Christ, or Nazarene, or whatever, or Pentecostal, I don't know. The second, churches that claim to believe in the atoning work of Calvary, but completely ignore it. Now, I've been in a lot of those churches, and this is harsh, and it's not all. It's like, uh, Jesse Lee Peterson said, it's not all, not all, not all, but most <laughs> fall into this category that is the mainline denominational churches, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, on and on and on and on and on and on. That's most of the churches, I know, because I've been in a lot of them. Read it again. Churches that claim to believe in the atoning work of Calvary, they claim Christ, they claim Jesus, they claim the cross, but completely ignore it. Number three. Churches that claim to preach the cross, but instead preach psychology, the greed gospel, or something else. Yeah, I was, as most of y'all know, I was real involved in this, and I won't say the name, but Mega church in Cleveland, Church of God. Thousands of members, millions of dollars of money. A lot of wealthy people went there, and I was very involved in it. I was in the, I was single um, at that time. Um, at first, I didn't have a full-time job. I just graduated college. Um, didn't have any debt. I was lucky. And then later on, I did have a full-time job. But And I was very involved in it. And that's... <laughs> what they did. Amen. Churches that claim to preach the cross, but instead preach psychology, the greed gospel, or something else. We spent millions, and say we, this church, because I was very involved with it. I wasn't on staff, but I was very, very involved. We, the church spent millions of dollars for this youth activity center. It was going to be the thing of the future. It was going to be the, just the cat's meow. I mean, it was going to be the perfect place for the youth. And what they did, and I'll throw myself in that category, I didn't know any better, but what we did, we basically separated all the youth, and I'm saying youth like through college, and then even after that, like even in the 20s, once you got to about 30, you were too old, so we kicked you out, but if you're in your 20s, if you're in your teens, if you're 6th grade up through your tw- 20s, like 29 years old, we completely separated that population from the actual church. 
Now, the actual church may have been preaching right, may not. But we completely separated it, and all it was was just an activity center. We had TVs, video games, coffee shops, pizza. We had pool tables. We had foosball machines. We had everything. Basketball court, light shows, Christian rap concerts or rock and roll concerts. And nothing ever happened. Nobody got saved. Nobody got blessed. The gospel wasn't preached. I didn't know any better at this time. The gospel wasn't preached. And we even had it on Sunday mornings. So we had like a big youth event on Wednesday evenings. And we'd send buses out to get people all around Cleveland and bring them back. And even on Sunday mornings. So this age group didn't even have to, again, it was at a separate location didn't even have to go to the actual church where maybe some good things were being preached. We totally separated. We had all kinds of out, going snow skiing, going pizza parties, all kinds of trips, youth trips, all kinds of concerts, all kinds of everything else, and nothing happened. Nobody got saved. Nobody got blessed. They ended up, after I came to my senses and, and left. They ended up selling the whole complex and they spent millions of dollars. I mean, this place was awesome. They ended up selling the entire complex. That's where most of your Pentecostal churches are today. Church of God, Assemblies of God. I was very involved in Church of God. I've only been in a couple of Assemblies of God, but the Church of God, Assembly of God, Foursquare, Pentecostal Holiness, Church of God in Christ, whatever it is. That's where most of the Pentecostal churches are today. They claim to preach the cross, but they totally preach something else. Totally preach something else. Let me keep going. Number four, it's always a remnant, right? Churches that preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, like this one, amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> As the foundation of all faith. Sadly, these are few and far between. So we need to be thankful for this church, amen? We need to pray for this church, amen? And I dare say we need to pray for Brother Swagger and SBN and the church there as, as well. But the very few, and I don't know, I don't know of any, <laughs> besides Baton Rouge and here, but that truly preach the cross, we need to pray for them. Amen? And that's where we need to go, and that's where you get fault. Amen? That's where you get fault. And I'll go ahead and say it now. I'm about to say it later, but I have been so attacked in fault over the last few months. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'll be honest with you. And it's even over the last couple of weeks, I think the, the Lord's told me this. The Holy Spirit's told me this. The devil wants to kill you, and he wants to kill everybody here, amen? He wants to kill Pastor Thomas, amen? But he can only do what God allows, amen? He can only do what God allows, but the pressure is so strong on me, and I know it's for everybody, but I do believe some people have, not that it's me, I don't know, but I do believe some people have a bigger target than others, but if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, you know, I wouldn't be here. None of us would be here. Amen. Because when you fall into that last category, there are few and far between. Most Christians, the devil, don't even know they exist. Amen. 
that when you come to a church like this, your fault, amen, the devil hates you. The devil wants to kill you, amen. And like I said, I may not make it. I'll be honest with you. And I've told my family this. But I'm going out fighting. Amen. <laughs> the devil takes me out. I'm going out fighting. Amen. And I'll say this. One other reason that I'm fought so much, the Holy Spirit just showed me this over the last couple of days that I've been praying for this message and revival services. And I want to say it to each and every one of you here to do this. I pray big. Some of you would be shocked, <laughs> even my wife or kids or my family would be shocked at what I pray for. And each one of you should do the same. And it's always happened to me since I've been saved, since I've been living for the Lord. And it's I'm not patting myself on the back. It could be the same for all of us, for anybody. But when I pray, I'm just saying it from a personal standpoint because I'm me, right? I'm Adam Hennessy in the flesh, so I know what I'm saying. When I pray, it's been like this my entire life since I've really been saved and started learning how to pray. When I pray, stuff happens. Amen. God hears me. Amen. And like I said, some of y'all would be shocked at what I pray for, but you know what? I serve a big God. Amen. And I don't go little. <laughs> I may be kind of a little guy. I don't know. But I don't go little. I pray big. I ask big. I believe big. And that's one reason the devil hates me and wants to kill me so much. And I want to admonish, encourage everyone here, pray big. Like we've always heard Brother Swear say. His grandmother taught him to Jimmy, you serve a big God. Ask big. Amen. I'm asking big. Ask big for Pastor Thomas. Amen. Ask big for this church. Amen. I ask big for my kids. I ask big for my wife. I ask big for our little farm. I ask big for my job, although I've never felt led to like try to get promotions and things. Um, little bit here and there, but I've passed over many, many, many jobs that I could have applied for. But you have to seek the Lord. And when you do, and God lays something on your heart, I mean, there's stuff right now that's very personal and private. But I pray big. <laughs> I don't go little. I don't say, you know, I pray for a big truck. Amen. God gave me a big truck. <laughs> I pray for a big house. Amen. Pray for a good job. Amen. I pray for his church to be filled. Amen. I pray that I can, if the Lord wants me to, to stand up here and preach big. Amen. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that as long as you don't make it about yourself. Amen. I pray for great health. I pray for finances. I pray, like I said, for physical health. Pray for a great relationship with my wife. Amen. And y'all should do that. Pray for your spouse. Pray that y'all have the greatest relationship that you've ever had. And that's the kind of prayers I'm talking about. I pray big. All right, let me keep going. Second Chronicles chapter 30 was the Passover. Second Chronicles chapter 31. Hezekiah went out 
talking about repairing the house of the Lord, having a Passover. And by the way, in that Passover feast, it says it was loud. That's what the Bible says. It's not me talking. It says it was loud. Amen. And I'm very quiet in myself, but sometimes I can get loud. It says it was loud. The priest played with the trumpets. They sang with a loud voice. They played instruments. It was loud. It was a celebration. Amen. And that's what we should be doing. Celebrating the Passover. Celebrating the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Amen. Chapter 31. He went out and destroyed all the idols. He had a great revival. Hallelujah. Just like we're doing here. In Jerusalem. In Judah. Hezekiah was in charge of it. Amen. And you know. We need strong leadership in this country. Amen. Amen. And I can talk about Israel, and I might as well go ahead and say it. Sennacherib, as we learn about here in chapter 32, came against them. That's a type of the Antichrist. We believe, and I think Brother Swart believes, the Antichrist will be a Syrian Jew, kind of like half-Jew, because the Jews won't really accept a Muslim or a Somebody like me or a Russian, you know, blonde hair, blue-eyed person. And so all the Bible leads to, we don't know for sure, we don't know for certain, but leads to the Antichrist being a Syrian, Syria is right beside Israel, Jew. Of course, a backslidden Jew. Sennacherib is a type of the Antichrist. He came against Jerusalem. We know what's going on right now. We need strong leadership, amen. We have elections coming up, amen. I don't care if President Trump cusses, amen. I don't care. President Trump has been divorced a few times, amen. I don't care if he owned casinos in the past. I'm not voting for the pastor of the United States. I'm voting for a strong leader. Now, if it's amen, amen. Now, did I like all his mean tweets? No, I didn't. And if I could be a counselor to him, I would say, Donald, <laughs> whatever I'd call him, Mr. President, <laughs> cut it out, man. Don't attack morning talk show host. You're the president. You're the leader of the free world. You got to be better than that. But nobody's perfect, okay? Would you rather have President Biden or President Trump with a few mean tweets? Amen? Amen? And... It may not be President Trump. I'm not putting my faith in a man. It may be somebody else or a woman. I don't know. But when you vote, you can't vote for the nicest guy or gal. Because probably it's fake anyway. Amen? We're, we're in a war. Israel's in a war. Our country's in a war against socialism and fascism, communism, and liberalism, and LGBTQ, and all that stuff. We need somebody that'll stand up and be strong. Listen, Hamas did the terrorist attacks, number one, because Joe Biden's in office. Russia attacked Ukraine when Joe Biden was in office. China's flexing their muscles when Joe Biden's in office. Number two, and I didn't have a good feeling about this. I really didn't, and I don't understand it all, and I don't follow. I'm not a news junkie. But when Kevin McCarthy got voted out, I didn't have a good feeling about that. 
Not that I love Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, the Republican for Congress, but when I read it, when I saw it, I didn't understand it, and I still don't really understand it. I understand it more now, but I didn't have a good feeling about that. Hamas attacked because we have a weak president, and we have a Republican Congress, Republican-controlled Congress, a Congress without a Speaker of the House. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why they attacked. Even if McCarthy was still in there, they may not have done that. Not that I love McCarthy. But you've got to have leadership in place in the United States. It won't be after the rapture takes place. But right now, we are the leader of the free world. Amen? We control so much. So Hamas saw that and said, now's the time. And they attacked. Now, let me say something else. <laughs> Try to keep it PG rated or PG here. But, oh, God help. <laughs> if you cannot look at that situation, Google it, watch some news. I mean, maybe that be fake news, but I mean, even Biden's in favor of Israel. Amen. Even our Secretary of State's in favor of Israel. Even CNN's not is in favor of Israel. Most of them. If you can look at that situation and be pro-Palestinian, like they say which means pro-Hamas. Hamas, I mean, they're worse than terrorists. I mean, they're dogs. I mean, it's not an army. It's not soldiers fighting a war. I mean, at least in Russia, it's the Russian military against the Ukrainian military. This is far below that. And if you can have a pro-Palestinian rally... If you can look at that and talk bad about Israel, get the heck out of my country. I mean, that is a joke. That is a joke. And we could talk about all the spiritual stuff, and those people will be judged, the wrath of God and all that kind of stuff. Rashid Tlaib and all those crazy, crazy people. But even if you know nothing about the Bible and you're just a person living on this earth to look at that and say, yeah, Hamas is right, Israel is wrong, like that makes no sense. That would be like just somebody coming to my house and stealing my kids and slitting my wife's throat and taking me hostage and and... And somebody was, it would be on the news or something and somebody would be like, oh yeah, I think it's the, those guys that invaded his house and killed his kids and stole his wife. And I mean, like that makes no sense. No sense. And you know, the only reason I wrote some of that down, I was so angry as I was praying about it and reading about it, thinking about it. The only reason is because if you stand at all with Israel, <laughs> you know where Israel comes from? We, of course, do, but just to be funny here. Do you know where Israel comes from? It comes from the Bible. <laughs> so Rashid Tlaib, and I mean, I don't think even AOC was brave enough to stand up for the Palestinians, but whoever you are at NYU or some Ivy League school or professor or Harvard or wherever... <laughs> 
the only reason you say those things is because you hate the Bible and you hate God. And you know that Israel is what the Bible is all about. It's about Israel. And they came back together as a country 2,000 years later, which has never, ever happened in the history of the world, and it will never, ever happen again, even if the Lord tarries for 10,000s of more years, because it's totally impossible for people to come back after 2,000 years and have the same capital and the same piece of land and the same real estate and the same people that they can trace their roots all the way back to people in the Bible. And they're still, they're not following Jesus, but they're still following the Old Testament. And you can go to Israel now and learn about all kinds of uh, Abraham's wells and Isaac's wells and Beersheba and Jerusalem, of course, and Calvary and all kinds of things in the Old Testament that are still there, that are still being proven by history, that are still being archaeological digs taking place. That's the reason that you're pro-Palestinian, because if you weren't, then you would have to under you would have to admit that you're a sinner. The Bible is right, and you're on your way to hell. That's the only reason. That is the only reason. All right, let me keep moving. Help me, Lord. Where do I go from there? So Sennacherib comes up against Jerusalem. Same place that they want to destroy now. The same place the Antichrist, after the church is taken out, wants to destroy. Sennacherib, a type of the Antichrist. And he had just destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. So you know that he's going to destroy the southern kingdom of Judah. He thinks that. He knows that. He even sends his captain or whoever he was, messenger Rabshakeh. And he even spoke Hebrew in the, the, to Jerusalem. And um, the messengers came out from Hezekiah's court and said, Don't talk Hebrew because the Jewish people here are going to hear you. Talk Syrian because we understand Syrian. And, of course, he just laughed at them. And he talked Hebrew and said, You think your God is going to save you? We just destroyed the Israel. They serve the same God as you do, which they really didn't, because like I said, they didn't have one godly king, and they had fallen far, far, far away. So the Lord allowed them to be taken captive. They had taken all the cities around Jerusalem. They had basically taken everything. I think Brother Swagger said like 46 cities they had taken They'd basically taken everything, the Syrian army, except Jerusalem. And that's what's going to happen when the Antichrist comes. He's going to take everything except Jerusalem, and he actually will take, I think, part of the city at one point. And he said, I'm going to destroy you. Your God is nothing. I'm going to kill you. You people are going to eat your own dung and drink your own urine. You're going to be dead. Why don't you just give up? Yada, 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 and they gave the message to Hezekiah. And you know what he did? He went into the temple and prayed. Went into the temple and prayed. You know, it's not faith to just act like a hardship doesn't exist. Amen. It's not faith to just deny stuff. I've got problems, and everybody in here has got problems. And it's not faith to just act like they don't exist. Hezekiah didn't do that. 
he went to the Lord and said, God, there is no way. They had 185,000. They had more than that. They had just, that was the most mightiest empire on the face of the earth. They had just destroyed the northern kingdom. They had taken all the cities except Jerusalem. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, it was David versus Goliath, 10 times even more. Not even close. And they went to Isaiah, and he prayed. Hallelujah. And he said, no arrow will be shot against this city. Nobody will be killed. No shields will be here. They won't siege it. Nothing bad will happen. I'm going to deliver you and rescue you. And that's what we're fighting. Amen, like I was just talking about. The devil wants to kill me and you. That's what we're fighting. We're fighting Sennacherib. We're fighting the Assyrian army. We can't win on our own. Amen. We can't win on our own. It's only by the help of the Lord. So the great prophet Isaiah said this stuff. And as the story goes, as I read it, almost in just a few hours, it was over a couple years that this happened, but the very last part that I read, in just a few hours, one angel, hallelujah, one angel went out and killed 185,000 soldiers at one time, just like that. And that's what my God can do. Amen? That's what my God can do. Um, I feel led right now. I want to tell a story about big George Foreman. Y'all know George Foreman? When we first started coming here, Pastor Thomas put something up on the screen. That was years ago about big George Foreman. I want to tell his story because it's good. I know I like to tell stories, and y'all probably get tired of hearing them, but this is good. I cried and cried and cried when I was praying about it. He was born in 1949, the same year my dad was born. Poor. That was before food stamps and social programs. There's a story about, and, and he was big. Single mom, had about a couple brothers and a couple sisters. And there's a story when he was probably like 10 years old. And his mom brought home just a little bit of food for the whole family. And he ate just a little bit. <laughs> he said, I'm so hungry I could eat this table. <laughs> and he was big. Well, he kept getting bigger. He kept getting poorer. He wasn't saved, but his mother, I don't know the whole story, was a godly woman. They prayed. She believed in the Lord. But George really didn't. He got to be about 15 or 16, quit school, started fighting all the time. He was big. He was mean. He was strong. Started punching people, hitting people, started robbing people. He had no education, poor as dirt. No, hardly, you know, one set of clothes or whatever. Got in trouble with the police a couple of times. And then he saw this ad as in the early 60s when the government did start having some social programs, which is good. And for the job corps for kids at that time that dropped out of high school and wanted to learn a trade and um, get a job. And so he enrolled in the job corps, told his mom about it, and enrolled in the job corps. And they sent him out, I think, to California. And again, he got in trouble, beat some people up. <laughs> he was big, and he was mean. He wasn't saved. But they let him stay in. And lo and behold, he found boxing. 
talked to this one trainer, as the story goes, and he said, you ever boxed? George said, fight? Yeah, fight. No, box. He said, it's a sport, son, with rules. <laughs> and he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> so he put him in the ring, started teaching him some stuff, and boy, he could punch. He started learning some footwork. He was strong. He was good. He started getting good. He said, George, and he was this famous trainer, I think. In about five years, I think you could make the Olympics. Well, Big George made it in one year. He'd only been fighting for about a year. Made the Olympics in 1968, Mexico City Olympics. Didn't just make the Olympics. He won the Olympics. He won the gold medal after only fighting for a year or two. So he kept going, kept getting into the, uh, started in the heavyweight professional division, started winning fights, knocking everybody down. He said his punch was like cement hitting you. And he was big and strong. And he was mean. He wasn't saved. He got up to like 40 and 0. Started getting some money. Got married to a real, you know, pretty wife or whatever. And she wasn't saved. And he got all the way up and fought the heavyweight champion of the world, Joe Frazier. And that famous words, I'm a sports guy, so. A Howard Cosell. Love Howard Cosell. This is Howard Cosell. He said, down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. And Foreman won the heavyweight championship of the world. Had all kinds of money. Had his family come over. And there's a story that his family came over and he had his cars, houses. He had a wife at that time with a couple smaller, one small child, a baby. And his and they always prayed. His mama prayed. His brothers and sisters prayed. And <laughs> he said they, he had this big feast laid out for him. You know, all this mansion, cars, swimming pool. He said, George, aren't you? Uh, George, we need to pray. We need to thank God for the food. And he said, I bought the food, mama. <laughs> he didn't believe in the Lord. Fast forward just a little bit. The thriller in Manila. With Muhammad Ali. Muhammad was good, but he could talk. <laughs> he could talk. They went to Manila, Philippines, I believe, for this big old thing. And everybody started liking Ali. So we're going to get it on because we don't get along. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> Rumble in the jungle. Thriller in Manila. And you know what happened? <laughs> Big George, Muhammad, outsmarted him, outsmarted him. He stayed up against the ropes. This will be the ropes. And George just went to town. He's going to kill him. He hated Muhammad. Muhammad was a talker. You know, George wasn't really like that. He's from Houston, Texas, which is a real southern town back then, you know, in the 60s, 70s. And Muhammad just stayed up against the rope. And George just went after him, hit him, hit him. And Muhammad was talking to him the whole time. Thought you could hit, George. Thought you could hit, George. Thought you could hit, George. Pow, 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 pow. And Muhammad was smart. And he was wearing big George out. And finally, Muhammad said, it's my turn now, George. Pow, pow, pow. And down went George. And they famously called it the rope-a-dope. You know, the devil will make you a dope. 
the devil will make you a dope. I don't care who you are, where you're from, if you're black or white or Hispanic or Russian or Chinese or rich or poor, young or old, boy or girl, the devil will make you a dope. You know, he offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. He offered George all this money and fortune and fame because he grew up poor, I mean, real poor. This is before a lot of social programs. And he had nothing until he started boxing. And he offered him the world, and he ended up being the dope, the rope of dope that everybody watched and everybody knew and everybody made fun of him. And he went, started going downhill. Long story short, he fought somebody else, I think like in South America or something, and just an underdog. And the underdog, somebody didn't really even, wasn't really even that well known, beat George. And he was at the bottom. He was at, I mean, he didn't want to live. He was at the bottom. He was way down low. Wasn't saved. And this is his story. And this was confirmed by other people that were there. He went, got beat. He was suffering from heat exhaustion. Went into the locker room. And his heart started beating. He passed out. His heart stopped beating. And he died. He actually died as a young man after a boxing fight. This big, mean dude. And he said, and this is confirmed at the part after this, that he went to hell. And he said through that experience, somehow he told God that he believes in God. I mean, just like that. I mean, this would happen just within a few seconds. And he said this great, big hand reached down. He really died, and he really went to hell. This great big hand reached down and grabbed him and plucked him out of hell. And he came back. His heart started beating again, and he came back to life. And you know what he said? I'm going to run a little bit. He said, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. And that's verified by the people that were there, the trainers, the managers. He said, I'm clean. I'm clean. He got in the shower. He said, I'm clean. They're like, what in the world is going on? First of all, the guy dies here. And now he comes back to life. I mean, he was mean. He was big. He was ugly. He was mean dude. He wanted to kill people with his hands. He started saying, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. Amen. And you know how you know it's real. His whole life changed. He started going to church. He started preaching. He started on the streets of Houston, street preaching. He quit boxing, gave it up. His manager was like, you're crazy, man. I mean, you can make millions and millions and millions. Because he was still young at this time. He'd been heavyweight championship. We can get a rematch with Muhammad. We can do this, and then I mean, you still got millions and millions and millions of dollars to make. I mean, you're still young in your prime. He quit it and started preaching at a Pentecostal church. And today, he's still, and I don't know what all he believes, but he is still preaching in Houston, Texas at a Pentecostal church. But that's not the end of the story. Through all this, after he got saved, started preaching, he somehow lost most of his money through bad investments. Of course, he grew up poor as dirt, so he didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. 
And he started all these youth centers around Houston, which is a good thing, with boxing rings and basketball courts for just inner-city kids, you know, didn't have anywhere to go. And that's needed, and a lot of inner cities and stuff, boxing rings or whatever, sports events, sports venues. And he went broke. <laughs> and then he said, what am I going to do? And he'd gotten older at this time. He got big at this time. He was a big man anyway. He got fat. He weighed over 300 pounds. And he said, I got to go back boxing. And he'd married, he married another woman. His first wife had gotten divorced. He married another woman in church, and they had a bunch of kids, and all their names are George. <laughs> and, uh, and he had one daughter. It was like Georgina or something. And um, he went back to boxing, and, and he was trying to make money because he would run out of money, and he had all these youth centers and stuff that he wanted to keep going. They, some of them even closed because he couldn't pay the light bill. And so through all this, he was doing all these promotions and stuff, and he came out somehow through all these different uh, promotional things, you know, commercials and stuff, and somehow he came up with somebody, a business partner, whatever, with something called the Lean Mean Grilling Machine, the George Foreman Lean, <laughs> and everybody had them, and I had one, I remember it. The late 90s, early 2000s, this is after he was saved, and he was just everywhere and the commercials and stuff but still he was he was broke because he had so such a lavish lifestyle before anyway and this is what god can do amen he started fighting again and 20 years after which has never happened would be one of the maybe the most remarkable story in sports history i'm a sports buff 20 years after he won the heavyweight championship of the world, he won it again with a big old belly, 45 years old. I mean, I'm, that's my age. Fighting somebody 20 years younger than him. And in that fight, and you can watch it, it's Michael Moore in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he was losing most of that fight, if you remember this. And all of a sudden, I think the Lord helped him with that. <laughs> Well, I don't know what round it was, but it was in the later rounds. Wham! And more went down. And more didn't get up. And Big George won the heavyweight championship of the world again. Amen. Amen. I get emotional because I know what God can do. And so I pray big. Amen. I pray big. Amen. And also, he said in 2011, because he had gone broke. 2011, he sold the rights to the Lean Mean Grilling Machine for $127 million. And he said, man, I didn't think anybody would buy a Lean Mean Grilling Machine from a big fat guy. <laughs> but they did. And that's what God can do. And he totally changed. And he's still like that today. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's still preaching. It's a Pentecostal church. He's still like that today. Let me finish with this. And I want to pray the sinner's prayer, but let me say this. This is in one of Brother Swaggart's books, but it's just a little poem. Lord, I care not for riches, neither silver nor gold. I would make sure of heaven. I would enter the fold. In the book of your kingdom, with its pages so fair, 
Tell me, Jesus, my Savior, is my name written there? Lord, my sins, they are many, like the sands of the sea. But your blood, O my Savior, is sufficient for me. For your promise is written in bright letters that glow. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them like snow. Oh, that beautiful city with its mansions of light, with its glorified beings in pure garments of white, where no evil thing comes to dispel what is fair, where the angels are watching. Yes, my name's written there. Is your name written in heaven tonight? This is what God told me to do, and this is my prayer for everybody here and anybody watching. Is your name written in heaven? There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I had fallen away from the Lord when I was 22 years old, December 15th, 1999. And I was in my shower. And I'd gotten tired of running from God because he chased me for 10 years. And I wasn't super bad in jail and drunk all the time, but it doesn't matter. Amen? You can be a good person and your name not written down in heaven. You can be a mayor. You can be a sheriff. You can be a teacher. You can be a preacher. You can be an athlete. You can be a good daddy or mama or granddaddy or grandmama. And your name not written down in heaven. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. The things I've done, the life I've lived, I ask you to wash me clean and free my heart from all sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. And right now I believe that I am saved. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, that's all it takes. I was saying, I was in the shower and I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That was December 15th, 1999. And I believe, I think Pastor Thomas said recently, I'm doing what God wants me to do, amen, and that's why we're fought so much. But if you said that prayer, if you need to be saved, do it now. Don't wait. Do it now. It's very simple. Don't wait till you try to get cleaned up. Just come to Jesus and ask him to wash you from your sins. He is the burnt offering. He gave up his life to give us our perfection. Let me read this one verse and I'll be finished. All we have to do is do the sin offering, which is give our sin to him. 
He gives our perfection to us. We give our sin to him. Hebrews ten fourteen, For by one offering, he has perfected forever them who are sanctified. He has perfected us. We may not walk in it all the time, but when we accept him, we are made perfect in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Get it under the blood. Drown your pain with every stain in a mercy flood. Nail it to the cross. Find hope and forgiveness. Kneel at the tree and walk away free. Nail it to the cross. To the cross, get it under the blood, drown your pain with every stain and mercy flood, nail it to the cross, find hope and forgiveness, kneel at the tree and walk away free.
Praise the Lord. Amen. What a message. Powerful. What a powerful testimony. Uh, I'd never seen that movie you was talking about, but I heard him tell that testimony on somewhere on a show. And, man, you could feel the Spirit of God when he was telling it. When he was, the part he was saying, I'm clean, I'm clean. And, man, I tell you, I could feel what he was saying. That man had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He truly got saved. And to, for God to do what he did, God can get a hold of anybody any way he chooses. He took him to the brink of death to bring him out to save him. And truly, all of us about went to the brink of death, and he got a hold of us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good message, Adam. And I want to tell you something, Adam. You are going to make it. You know how you're going to make it? Jesus got a hold of your family, brother. You're going to make it. We're all going to make it. Like you said, we might go kicking, we might go screaming, we might crawl, but we're going to make it. Amen. Amen. We're going to give the devil a fight all the way to the end. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've been busting. Now, that was a good message. Amen. Praise the Lord. I like old big George. You don't get to hear them boxing stories very often. I told one years ago, and that was good to hear from somebody else. I'll never forget when Big George won that heavyweight championship. I saw, I seen that fight, Michael Moore. He hit him with a boom, short right hand. And I mean, he just laid out. And for a minute, you kind of wonder, was that real? I mean, did he really catch him? And then all of a sudden, the camera goes on to Michael Moore. And he's got a little trickle of blood right between his head up there. You can see it. Now, yeah, he hit him. He floored him. At 45 years old, put a 20 in his 20. You better not mess with them older men, boys. You younger boys better pay attention. You don't have to be big either to knock somebody out. Just remember that. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless everyone. Come on back in the morning at 1030. We'll be here having church. We hope you are blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 1030 a.m., Sunday at 530 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 630 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 744-0774.